nice, refreshing Coors Light inside. <laughs> nice. I'm keeping it cool while I drink this one. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Down the Front Podcast. Yes. Podcast. I am your host, Warren, and with me, we, with all my best friends, lots of people, we're excited, we're pumped, finally get a chance to talk about The Last Jedi newest Star Wars directed by Ryan Johnson. We're we're so pumped. I mean, this movie has been getting so much fame. I have literally been dodging so many trailers all year. I've already seen it twice, so I'm really pumped to really unpack this. But before we get into that, I'm going to toss it over to some of my best friends and say, the beautiful mouth of the South. Rylan, how's it going, man? What you been watching? What you drinking? Home of evening. It is, well, I'm not the home of Memphis, but Memphis Rylan is, is the home, home of Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a very big person. <laughs> but uh, right now, I'm just drinking a cool, refreshing H2O uh, in a giant thermos. But uh, what I've been watching recently is uh, Jean-Claude Van Johnson. It's a new comedy series on Amazon Prime. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's I think it's a really really dumb show, but it's it's really cool that they take Jean Claude Van Damme and have him make fun of himself in so many ways, and it's very meta in its humor as well. So like it's Jean Claude making fun of Jean Claude making fun of action movies, uh, making fun of action movies that star Jean Claude and making fun of like. Uh, spy films as well. There's like so many elements of that. They're just throwing random humor to all these things that we kind of grew up with, and it's now good to see them just parry to them uh, through just some six, six quick, uh, easy episodes. Are there a lot of blood sport references? <laughs> Mostly time cop. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly time cop. There's yeah. a few blood sport references. There's definitely a few blood sport references. Yeah, there are a few, but Time Cop definitely like is a key part in this uh, series. But it's a lot of fun to watch. I think I, I think everybody should give it a chance. Hmm. Well, as always, uh, great to see your face, and yep. uh, thank you for having. I'm ex- I'm really excited and interested in getting your thoughts on this. But let's toss it over to the host of Fear Bonus itself, Andrew Abbott. How's it going, man? What you uh, what you sipping on over there? What you been watching? <laughs> It's good. I think I got a fear boner right now. This is a lot of a lot of handsome gentlemen in on or around my computer screen. Uh, I'm sipping on Bud Light because uh, I haven't been um, drinking as much cough syrup these days. Um, and I just finished Bright, the new Will Smith Netflix original film. Um, it was actually a lot better than I thought. I was pretty excited for the movie, uh, but it was better than I thought. Um, it's kind of like Training Day meets Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and there's some pretty good humor in there. You get, like, kind of classic bad boys Will Smith back. Like, you know, he's been doing some other, like, shitty movies recently, but this one's pretty solid. So if you get a chance, if you have Netflix, check it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing a lot about this movie. And it just came out today, so I'm surprised. Everybody arguably had the day off and everybody watched it. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of strange, but I was like, oh, oh I, I was like 30 minutes. I don't do shit. Do shit. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That, that definitely makes sense. And also that beautiful, beautiful voice that you heard is someone who hasn't been on the show since Beauty and the Beast, I believe. I think that's the only episode that he's been on. It's, it's the only one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have Dylan here, and I'm super excited to talk about this because we did talk about this for 
arguing about three hours the other day. But Dylan, <laughs> what you drinking on, and what you, what else have you been watching? Uh, well, I got a nice uh, Rocky Mountain Cold Coors Light and two Rocky Mountain Cold Coors Lights. On the mountain. So sometimes these last a while. Last time I went through like a baker's dozen just in the podcast. But I've been watching. So recently I just finished. Uh, well, I guess I finished it like a week ago, but I watched Future Man. Um, it's on Hulu, I want to say. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Hulu. Um, I don't think I've watched a show faster than I watched that show. Um just because I just thought it was hilarious. Every bit of it was just funny. I love it. It was the, surprisingly good. It was so good. And you watch the first episode and you're like, okay, well, what the fuck are they going to do with this? And then it's just, it's so many dick jokes and hilarious 80s jokes. I just, every music, the music in it is so good too. Um, I, I really loved it. Uh, in, the, in the very first episode, you get to see Josh Hutcherson blow a load on some dude's leg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ralphin, I think you in particular need to watch this show because I think you are really... It's really funny. It is, yeah. yeah. I didn't think... I thought it would be shitty, but it's good. It's, it's no. the kid that who plays PETA, right, in Hunger Games? Yeah. yeah. It's like... He's you, also you, Denny, right? You don't think that kid could be funny, but he's so <laughs> awkward and hilarious in this show. It's great. I mean, I, I'm excited about it. I know I started watching it, but then I, I stopped and then started watching other stuff. But I'm, I'm definitely seeing, especially when I'm watching and binging things through Hulu, tons of advertisement. There's tons, like, it they literally is like a commercial about it, or at least on the side of my computer. So I'm definitely going to see if I can give it a shot, especially if. You guys have liked it. So thanks for coming back. Uh, I'm excited to get some of your thoughts for tonight. So what's up? Uh, I have the beautiful Mike, the guy who looks gorgeous, literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mocha. Mocha Mike. (laughs) How you living? That's me. I'm living good. How's it going, guys? Great to see all of your beautiful faces. What you uh, (laughs) sipping on it now? What you been watching? (laughs) Well, as for what I'm sipping on, I decided to uh, run with the samurai aesthetic, since we're talking about Star Wars, and I'm drinking an entire bottle of Shochikubai Nigori uh, Sake. It's unfiltered, and it's super tasty. It's dry and sweet and very cold, um, and I imagine I'll be pretty fucked up by the end of it. So, uh, <laughs> tip <to> that. <laughs> um, as for what I've been watching lately, I've been going through a lot of stuff. Um, but I've recently caught up on Marvel's The Runaways, also a Hulu show. Um, I was really excited when that came out because I never really read the comics back in the day, um, but I was just interested in seeing what kind of content would come out from Marvel that wasn't part of Netflix, and it's actually been surprisingly good. I assumed it was going to be like super CW-style like teen show, and it definitely has some of those vibes, but it definitely takes itself ser- seriously. It's telling an interesting enough story so far. And the cast is all really good and really, like, they all really look like the characters from the comic books. Um, so it's been cool. Also, there's a Velociraptor in the show. No spoiler alert. But they didn't use CG for it. They actually used practical effects. So it actually looks like the original Jurassic Park whenever that thing is on screen. And it looks fucking dope. So I've, I've, been, I've been surprised with it. Yeah. So it's been a good ride so far. I was, I was worried that I saw that show and I was like, man, this is going to be, like, a Marvel... Degrassi, 
That's exactly <laughs> it's gonna be so bad. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I'll, I'll I mean, that's kind of like what the series was when it came out. It was Marvel's Degrassi. Like, oh, fuck our parents. Ugh. I mean, it's, it's no, it's no Punisher, but like the first episode, like someone, like some girl nearly gets date raped at a party. Some dude gets shot later on. Nice. Like, it takes itself pretty seriously. So, Whoa. yeah, yeah. So it's an Aerosmith music video. <laughs> <laughs> with dinosaurs yes that sounds awesome yeah yeah it's worth checking out if you're a big Marvel fan so well yeah I mean uh, so of course definitely great to have you on we missed you uh, the last couple ones but I'm excited to see your face again uh, I want to toss it over to the other beautiful Michael the Shredder blow it how's it going less with beautiful you, uh, Michael less, oh sorry the less beautiful Michael yeah, the that's Shredder true. that's true blow it uh, how you uh, how you hanging? I'm um, pretty pretty darn good. Um, been watching nothing too great. Watching Craig Ferguson stand up that was interesting. Uh, he talked about doing drugs a lot. It was it was an eye opening experience because I didn't know that people from Scotland did anything else but drink. Um, <laughs> as far as what I'm drinking, Segway. That's called Segway in the business. Uh, just a nice little glass of whiskey. No thermostat full of uh, t- full of booze tonight. Thermostat. No thermostat. Yeah, how cold and shit here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, it's always great to see your face. Oh. Um, so thanks for coming to hang out. And I am Warren, and I will be your host. Uh, I have been watching a good amount of stuff because of my staycation. Uh, literally too many shows, uh, but I do want to talk about this one show that me and Guillermo are talking about called Easy on Netflix. Has anybody seen the show yet? No. Would you say it's an easy watch? Oh, it's a definitely easy watch. It's 30 minutes. Uh, I think the first season is eight episodes. The second season is also eight episodes. So it's very quick, but it's like it takes you into the lives of these people that just so happen to be living in Chicago, but it's all in like it's all in one universe and so as you just kind of progress through these lives it's a comedy and they, they just talk about different things different relationships that they explore of it it's I, I try not to give anything away but it's, it's definitely something i would suggest to watch it feels like a judd apatow show uh but it's not it's actually from a guy named joe swanberg who actually hasn't done anything um else he's been in like a couple different things but i think this is his first sort of directing debut and uh the cast is crazy because you have Dave Franco's going to be in an episode. You have Omar Bloom. Uh, Omar Bloom? Omar Bloom? Orlando Bloom. Omar Bloom? Omar Epps? Oh, you're the one with Orlando Bloom. Oh, sorry. I was like, oh, Omar Bloom sounds weird. Orlando <laughs> Omar Bloom. <laughs> Omar Bloom for The Wire. Yeah, I can't So, I mean, the cast is absolutely crazy. It's like really stars for the cast, but they play these really, really down-to-earth roles that Nothing's kind of glorified. So if you haven't seen it, it's going to be easy on Netflix. Season 2 just came out. Um, also, I've been catching up and saw Red Oak Season 3 that came out about a month ago on Amazon uh, Prime. So definitely go check that out. But we're pumped. We're going to give you a small intermission. Uh, when we get back, we're going to go right into the nitty-gritty. Like, all spoilers, everything. We're going to talk about all the ideas and really unpack Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. So we'll see you in a moment.
are here. We are the Down in Front Podcast. We're going to unpack and talk about our wins and things that we really liked and loved about it. And I w- I'm going to toss it over to the mouth of the South, Rylan. Kick us off and tell me about some of the things that you actually like about Star Wars. Uh, so I'd say the big thing I really enjoyed was taking the idea of the Force and bringing new elements and new ideas into it. So thinking about like how we've had been told and been and shown for the longest time, it's always about the light versus the dark and the light versus the dark. When ultimately, in order to for there to be peace, those things either have to kind of coexist and balance each other out, or they can't exist at all. And I thought that was a good idea of how to kind of go forward with ideas of the force and just add a different element to how you think Ray is going to approach using the force more versus how someone like Luke did. Um, speaking of uh, Ray, I thought she was still a fantastic character. I uh, really dug uh, like her astral uh, FaceTiming with uh, Kylo Ren and their back and forth banter that they had. Uh, it was really cool because it wasn't just about, uh, the mission they also showed like their youth and their uh, their immaturity as well during that time. I like uh, that that was something like very new that we just hadn't quite seen before. We've seen it like people talk to somebody <laughs> off screen or you know back in the older movies we've seen the actual projections of Yoda and stuff like that, especially of Obi Wan or like a voiceover. But never have we seen that particular kind of connection as if they can like see each other. Uh, but they and they also had a, a really smart way of doing it because they were always looking off screen, but you can still feel that there's tension there. So I thought it was yeah. a, a really great way of using that. And just having them do it across galaxies, I mean, that just adds to like, hey, these are two force wielders we have not seen before at their levels of power. So they're getting into like Vegeta and Goku power levels now. <laughs> <laughs> Over nine thousand <laughs> metachlorians. But uh, oh my god, I'm so glad yeah. that they didn't mention metachlorians. It's for so a nervous. They're close. for a split yeah. second when they're like, "What is the force?" I thought he was gonna say it, and he's like, "No, it's 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 ambiguous." Which when is he was how it should have been. That tree limb at her hand. He was just like, "It's a metachlorian <laughs> getting up on you." <laughs> <laughs> but um. Also, those two had, like, one of the best, like, lightsaber fight scenes with the um, Snoke's Imperial soldiers in the throne room. That was so, so badass, just how they used the lightsabers in a different way. It wasn't about having fancy choreography or anything. It was, like, two people working together and trying to find the best way with their weapons to fight off these uh, really professional badasses, too. That was, by a wide margin, the most badass fight scene in all of Star Wars history. Everyone shit their pants when <laughs> he just turns on the rate and just skull fucks that dude. Uh, Holy I, hell! I personally love the. I was uh, really hoping they were gonna have the soundtrack be uh, what is it? Battle Duel of the Fates. Mm. That would have been awesome. I was My favorite part in that fight was when Ray like spins around the guy and pulls his like saber like his saber chain or whatever like down and like pulls her own lightsaber through his chest before running off and fighting someone else. It was so freaking brutal. Like, you don't get that kind of brutality in any fight 
in any other Star cool. Wars movie. Like, not even close. You got you got the one guy that got, like, fell into the vent and was, like, vaporized. Oh, it turned into, yeah, it turned into, like, the, yeah, guts and stuff. My, <laughs> my personal favorite uh, move was the Winter Soldier knife drop move that Rey had, where she was, like, locked oh, up, yeah. and then she's just, like... Boom! <laughs> that was oh, that was so, so cool. sick. You could like see her realize what she needed to do, and she's like, "Oh, I got this." <laughs> but it was just a little out of character for her. Like it made more sense that uh, Kylo was a little brutal, but for me, when Ray was getting like all like you know in those guys' guts, I was just like, "Oh, damn, girl!" I don't know. Every time yeah, Ray's a fight, scrapper, movie, she yeah. she just fights to live. Every fight she's in, yeah. she's, she's an underdog. She's definitely a street fighter. Like, and this is like the first fight style. that we see her in, arguably, right? Like, it, it, even in episode seven, like she fought against Kylo, but that was still she was really new to it. Even when she was like wielding her stick and she fought those two guys that was trying to rob and steal BB-8, she was yeah. still she was pretty brutal in that very short fight sequence. So yeah, she yeah. kicked all their asses. Well, so, yeah. I mean, it was nice to see her grow and be like, all right, she can take the next step. And I think it also kind of ties into a bit of what Luke had seen and that just raw rawness of power of it's not the dark or the light. It's just is sort of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, I was, was going to say like Robin Thicke blurred lines in between. I was going to say yeah. she, she goes <laughs> right the, to the, the like the dark side. You know, like that brutality is is very much right there, a part of her, that as soon as that, that switch is flipped, like she doesn't even look back. She just enters uh, for Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, was it kill mode? You know, like that. So like, like that. Why do that, you even have that? I'm a teenager. <laughs> that darkness just kind of sits on her shoulder. For Spider Homecoming. She can, uh, she can, yeah, right. She can, uh, she can tap thing? into that at any point. Yeah, one thing I really like that's really cool about that scene is it kind of solidifies that this trilogy is about Kylo and Rey, and um, I mean, just to start off that scene with. You were given this uh, idea of like Snoke being like this big bad behind the darkness and everything, and that he's going to be the final confrontation. And then all of a sudden, Kylo just pulls a lightsaber through him, and he's he's done for. I mean, his death is like, hey, you're not really anybody. This is more this is about things beyond what you even can comprehend. Which I thought was badass that yeah. Snoke was actually an inconsequential carrier character i thought that was actually a brilliant move that they did yeah i love that i also love the fact that for ray one thing that's really constant about her character in these movies is that she is always ready to make the first throw the first first punch whenever she needs to like we saw it when she charged that kylo ren in the forest and got like four stone into the trees and we saw it in this movie when she was face to face with snoke and they took off her her bracelets and the first thing she does is try to grab that uh, that lightsaber so that she can kill him with it Obviously, yeah. it doesn't work out that way, but like she's pretty damn tenacious, and I love her as like as a main character. I think she's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other thing I really liked was uh, just Luke's fallibility, like, and just consistency with the saga on who Luke is as a character. So, uh, in Return of the Jedi, I mean, for him to beat Darth Vader, he has to tap into the dark side uh, in order to um, actually vanquish him, and he pulls himself back at the last second. And it's really cool to see that even that he continues to train himself after that moment and feels like he can pass on the teachings to other students, that he still is a fallible character in that fear. I mean, he will feel fear and he's going to have those moments where he may lapse into using the dark side of the force in order to get some things done with his whole 
uh, flashback with standing over Kylo and ready to kill him because he just feels that pull that Snoke has over him so strongly. And it's really cool that they made they continued that part of Luke's character into this movie and didn't make him like a perfect hero. It was really cool to see that, yeah, Luke made some mistakes and everybody's kind of paying for it and he's got to make a decision on how he can redeem himself, which was really nice. I love that look at Luke, too, as a failed master because, you know, for anyone who's watched all the Star Wars movies, one of the running themes is that the flaw of every Jedi is hubris causing them to fail. Um, it's happened for every Jedi throughout every throughout the entire series. And for Yoda, like Luke's only masters were old Obi-Wan, who'd already learned his lessons and only had a few days with Luke. And then Yoda, who'd been in exile for de- for years and had already become a different person than he was in the prequels. So he never got to see great Yo- Jedi like Yoda or Obi-Wan have their failures. So for him, all of his role models were perfect examples of being a Jedi. So it makes complete sense that he would feel such an extra crushing like guilt when he does start to falter and like fails as a master because he doesn't have that actual knowledge that like this is a thing that goes on with Jedi's and they fail and they come back from it. Um, so it's cool to see how devastating that was for him. He probably yeah. thought he had like his destiny was to just be a grumpy old man wearing rags. Like that's probably from seeing those two do it. He's like, well, I guess might as well. <laughs> Following their footsteps. Yeah, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, and that, as for some uh, newer characters, uh, I thought Benicio Del Toro's DJ was really cool. Like, uh, growing up with Star Wars and playing Star Wars video games and everything, um, there's this whole idea of what a slicer is. And they're a computer hacker slash uh, underworld uh, data uh, traders uh, in Star Wars. And it was cool to see, like, a slicer actually portrayed in a live-action film, finally. And I thought the DJ character brought some really interesting elements, and I hope we get to see him in the next film if he's not burnt to a crisp or anything. Yeah, I don't uh, like the character after the second view. Uh, I know, well, we'll probably kind of get into that, but I know at least he, he kind of mentions or kind of talks about and brings up a lot of the things that we tend to forget of. You know, the Han Solo character did a lot of stuff that wasn't good, it definitely wasn't bad, but it was kind of this weird kind of gray area. And I think I really kind of brought that back up to light of, hey, you know, this is, you know, both people. He's like, oh, this person's from a bad guy. You know, Finn says something about, like, oh, we stole this from a bad guy. He's like, well, I mean, technically, they're pretty, they're almost one of the same. This person's selling parts from the Imperial of the uh, First Order as well as the, the Resistance. So, so uh, my final uh, win will be uh, just some great Star Wars visual moments are created in this movie, too. Uh, first and foremost, I think, um, Admiral Holdo's uh, shooting the uh, carrier through light speed into the uh, Snoke ship. That was, like, one of the best scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time. Uh, but I also liked uh, moments where you see Yoda pop up. Every, I mean, first time, like, since, like, the end of Return of the Jedi. This Return of the Jedi era Yoda, the old Yoda, pop up and give some uh, words of wisdom or uh, seeing uh, Leia's original message to Obi-Wan was like definitely very emotional for me. And that final scene with Carrie and Mark Hamill where Mark uh, kisses her on the forehead before he faces uh, Kylo uh, was really cool. Yeah, that was a really beautiful send-off scene for uh, for Leia. Mm. I wonder if that was 
intentionally shot in that way, but originally just for Mark, and it wound up being kind of for both. Um, or if it was like I don't know a reshoot or something, but but yeah, it was beautiful. I, so. uh, I love all those the points that you necessarily kind of made about about that. Of I did not expect to see Yoda, and I was freaking out when he came up. But I was like, oh, but then what kind of Yoda are we getting? Oh, we getting the original kind of sort of crazy. OG Yoda. Oh, yeah. the puppet. The puppet oh yeah, the puppet. The was brilliant. Yeah, it was it was so perfect. <laughs> I sat there and was like, yeah, this is so well what they're actually doing. And he still came to drop some knowledge on Luca. He calls him young Skywalker. He's like, you have so much to learn, man. You still have so much to learn. Um, and he, just just him being in the movie is an absolute win for me. Yeah, and even though he's dead, he can still burn shit down. Oh, that was... <laughs> he brought the motherfucking thunder. Yeah. Get a tiny hammer, just like ready to go. Did uh, did everyone catch the the little Easter egg at the end in the Falcon? Mm-hmm. With the books. That was a. Problem. Oh yeah. Did yeah. everyone did everyone catch what that meant? Yoda said earlier. I didn't catch this the first time around. I I had to read it and then I caught it the second. So what he says to Luke right before he calls the lightning down is he says, "There's nothing in that tree that that girl Ray doesn't already have." Because no. he knew he, she stole the, no. the books. Which, I mean, again, proves that he is just the wisest creature in the galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. Um, but the books! Mm, read them, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Not paged. I want to start a book club with Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> There's this fan theory. Yoda reads the <laughs> There's this fan theory going around that um, Luke Skywalker is illiterate. <laughs> because he was raised on a, on a voice <laughs> form, and he never had the chance to learn to read, and that's why he never read the Jedi text, because he doesn't know. <laughs> he looks at him. These books are pretty. Why? <laughs> uh, but yeah, you good, Rylan? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, let's toss it over to Dylan. Give me some of your wins and things you liked about Star Wars. Um, I... Had, at first, I had, I had to think about it a lot after I watched it because I was really thrown off, like in the theater, just because everyone watching it was pissing me off, clapping and being noisy and interrupting the whole time. Uh, so I think that kind of like set a hard edge for me. But I, I, I mean, first and foremost, as is in every Star Wars movie I've ever seen before, the music was super awesome. I really had a fun time just listening. To the movie, um, my next like biggest wins were really focusing on the relationship between Kylo and Rey. Um, I there's so many different things that I thought the movie was going to go into, and I thought it was really going to just focus on Luke the entire time. Um, and I think the best part of the movie was maybe that like you're, everybody's wondering like what is going to happen? Is it going to, is Luke the last Jedi or is Rey the last Jedi? And then like none of that happens and it kind of just has its own little twist to it. I think I, that was what has kind of made me change my mind about the movie a little bit after seeing it. I still need to see it again. Um, and I, I only want to see it. I don't want to see it in a movie theater. I want to see it like sitting on my own couch, um, just because I'm I'm a terrible person like that. Um, <laughs> but I I really liked the fa- the bridge like that 
to me was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole movie when they bridge Ray and Kylo and it's just like oh shit and then when you find out it's Snoke I was also like oh that's pretty pretty cool too <laughs> but those, the, like I have a lot more losses than I have wins I'll say that hmm. the, for the bridge like that was a really cool I think storytelling device like giving these two characters who had no reason to do anything but try to kill each other if they were in the same room together and yeah. giving them not only a space to have a conversation, but also a conversation with no other people involved whatsoever, just fully neutral territory, and they could actually start to get to know each other's sides. I thought it was a brilliant storytelling maneuver. I, I legit felt like Ray and Kylo were doing an exchange journal together. <laughs> <laughs> it was like space Snapchat. They got like two minutes here, two minutes there. Yeah, it was awesome. Kylo gets to bring back high pants. Also, another shout out to Ray being a badass. She, uh, the first time she sees Kylo Ren in her vision, the first thing she does is grab her gun and try to murk him. <laughs> like her words, no, no hesitation. She just immediately tries to murder him. She really she is like a awesome. brutal character. The, like the, the more you think like, about put it, put a shirt on you, you freaking hippie. Could you wear a tunic? <laughs> and I mean, it goes without saying the fucking fight between. Uh, Ray Kylo versus the Imperial, uh, what, what are the Supreme, uh, Security Guards. First Order. Snoke, Snoke, Small Cops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, I mean, that may be one of the best fight scenes in a Star Wars movie ever, in my opinion. Like, ever. It doesn't, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. And, I mean, when Kylo kills Snoke, I mean, you, you can't sit there and be like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. No way you knew that was going to happen. <laughs> so one thing, and the only time you knew it was going to happen is when you saw Kylo just like moving his hand and you're like, oh shit, what's he doing? Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, he did it! And you lose it. <laughs> and then the whole movie theater just lost it. Yeah, so, I like the hubrisness that... Uh, uh, Blue actually mentioned because that was something that Snoke was also doing because he just felt like he was all powerful, like nobody can defy him, nothing can actually touch him. <laughs> he, he was getting his nut off that scene. He was like, yes. <laughs> 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 That's just how I'm Andy's. The only one who, like, I, I want to know did they ever explain, like, why he's all fucked up like that? Like, in my fan theory, I believe he tried to make moves on a female Wookiee and it didn't go well. <laughs> And that's why Snoke's all messed up. It, it's I heard a fan Andy theory that he was just really ugly in real life. <laughs> <laughs> he's not ugly, he's just British. <laughs> he's got a bad teeth. <laughs> I heard of Sexima. I heard a fan theory that uh, Snoke was actually Dak from uh, Empire Strikes Back after he got crushed in the snow speeder. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man. Andy, quick, uh, Andy Circus, though. Come on. He's all over the place. He does everything. I did not realize that was him at all. Of course. I mean, I don't ever do, but that made me go wrong. Yo, Dylan, two things. What? Uh, one, I, I really like that we didn't have, like, wiener, like, ballet dancer to lightsaber battles. Like, you know, you watch the prequels. Like, the, the original trilogy is whatever. They didn't have the CGI to be able to, like, do it. The first fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader is, like, the worst sword fight in the entire trilogy, but it means, like, the most. 
Uh, maybe second. It's most just o- so PG. They made it so PG. Well, but like the, that, I shouldn't flip. The yeah, the the prequels, the prequels. <laughs> everyone was like flipping around, doing all that crazy stuff. Like I love that Ray is clearly very untrained and kind of and not very graceful. I think she can get to that graceful s thing. But Kylo Ren looks like a medieval knight wielding a longsword. Like he, there's no great. He hunches over and he kind of like swings the thing around, uh, like you, like it's heavy. You know, it's not a, a freaking light thing. He's uh, like one of the trolls from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously, he's just like kind of pure power. The second thing I say is that I think John Williams does uh, two things remarkably well. First of all, he develops a theme, unbelievable. He, like that dude. There's so many times that he just interwove a theme in like change it around, flip it around, and made it something new. I love that you got the resistance on, like, high woodwinds in this to kind of show it's, like, innocence instead of, like, the low brass when it was first introduced in Force Awakens. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, the, the second thing is uh, I think John Williams does amazing battle scenes where he'll just, like, kind of create, a, like, a tapestry of sound and it kind of everything swirls in together on itself, um, which yep. that one immediately goes into what he did to buck trends in this third one which I think every single person wrote this one down, so we might as well just get it out of the way now. Uh, he had this huge kind of swell of just all of these different uh, instruments playing all these different lines, and then all of a sudden he cut it, and you saw a Mon Calamari cruiser go through a, an entire First Order fleet. And that moment of silence was m- maybe the most brilliant thing they did in the entire film. I, literally, every the both times I went... There was like seven or ten people in the whole theater that were just shit. Like no, no one yelled. No one like it was like this very reserved. Like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> like it was that. That was not my feeling of that scene. What do you mean? I just I thought that scene should have gone completely different. But it will go into misses after this. Interesting. A quick, uh, one quick, more quick point to what you were saying, Dylan, um, about the, fuck, what were you just talking about? Oh, yeah, the, how, how them killing Snoke so early was kind of a surprise and a twist. Um, something really cool that they did from a directing standpoint was when Kylo um, turns on the sword, you, the camera's on Snoke, and you see his face react, and he looks down, and you see the lightsaber through him, and the camera pans back and focuses on Rey and Kylo, and he he um goes out of focus as his torso falls over, and the camera never refocuses on him again. Instead, it stays on Ray and Kylo while they're over. Fighting her. And it's just it's it's amazing because it, it adds from like an actual cinemato- cinema cinematography standpoint that same notion of like yeah that's a fucking twist. They yeah. deal with that shit. And then it happens, and then they murk all the fucking guards, and then ten seconds later he goes, all right. We got the new New Order. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. God, what a masterful scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dylan, any other wins? I'm, I'll send it to the next one. <clears throat> okay. Let him hit it. All right. Uh, Abbott, chat, talk to me. Yeah, uh, a few of mine have already been hitted. Um, hit, hit, hit. Uh, <laughs> uh, Yoda, that scene with Yoda is hands down my favorite part of the movie the fact that they went with a puppet rather than uh, a CG Yoda was amazing, I feel like that was very uh, integral for Luke to kind of come back from the edge, because like I can't imagine how long he's sort of been essentially on his own, and then all of a sudden he's dealing with all this stuff, and 
you know, he kind of has this grumpy old man moment and Yoda kind of comes back and centers him and he's talking with a little puppet and that was, that was huge for me. Um, but also they just, even though it's like a long movie, they managed to jam so much into the two and a half hours so that it, like it has a moment where it does feel like a very long film, but then you're like, well shit, what else could they do? And in my opinion, I know someone earlier said that it's, it feels like you're left with a lot more questions. Um, but for me, like a lot was resolved. I can't, like, I'm not not saying they should make a third movie because I know it's going to happen either way because I'm not, you know, in Lucas Lucas Studios or Disney or whatever. But for me, like, I was very satisfied with that film. Like, the New Order kind of running away with their tail between their legs and, like, the Rebels kind of scattering. It's like, well, this is kind of like a clean slate, like a clean board. We have some new players on the field, but otherwise, like, what are they going to do from here? I don't know what the next crawl could possibly say. Um, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, and then also all the new uh, creatures, whether they were practical effects or CGs, like the porgs and the, the ice foxes, like I thought they were all beautiful and really well done. Nothing was like dumb. Even the the Canto Bright horse giraffe dog things were really cool. <laughs> I was going to um, say human-faced kangaroos. But yeah, the, faces were little, the faces were a little disconcerting, but uh, I think all the, all the creatures in this movie were really cool. I'm like a big fan of like creature uh, design and creature effects and things like that. I thought everything was really successful. And everything was fun to look at, uh, except fuck those stable kids, those little, <laughs> those little poor stable babies. I hate them. <laughs> what are they, doing there? they exist and they stink. You guys know my stand on children in movies. They stink and I hate them. <laughs> Yo, this will show you where my mind was the whole time. So when they go to the stable the first time, they open the door and the little kid goes to hit the button, and Rose goes, "No, no, wait." And she goes to show him her ring, and she opens it up, and it's the uh, the rebel insignia. Yeah. I was sure that when she flicked that switch, it was going to be a blaster, and she was just going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a poisonous dart or something. Or just and like, when it didn't happen, I was like, oh, man, I guess I'm just a monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, those were, those were uh, most of my highlighted wins. Uh, you can move on to the next uh, jabroni. Okay. Uh, next jabroni I have up here in my list is uh, a Michael Moreno. Michael Moreno. Tell me some of your wins you had about Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah, so a lot of things I've said have already been, or I've thought about, have already been touched on, which is cool. But um, something I really want to point out is the fact that this movie was just visually striking in so many different scenes. Like, we all know how cool the planet crate looked from the trailers, right? White sand that gets, like, that shows red underneath um, just looks awesome. But Snoke's, uh, Snoke's headquarters, his room, was absolutely, like, jaw-dropping. Like, it looked like an art gallery or, like, a place where a fashion show would happen. Just this long row of, like, just red, nothing but red, and with Snoke in the middle in his gold outfit. It was just, like, it was visually arresting and, like, and just took my breath away. Um, but, yeah, visually, it was just a beautiful movie. Kanto Bite, even though everything that we saw of Kanto Bite kind of flew by quickly since they were running around, it was all really gorgeous. Um, it was essentially another cantina scene, but just, like, an upscale cantina. But it was still really beautiful, and all the creature design, like uh, like we said earlier, was just fantastic and really, really unique. Um, also, the film was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun through and through. Even when things were seen pretty dark, there was some levity or some moments that could make you happy. And for some people, that was a turnoff. Uh, but honestly, if you're a longtime fan of the series and moments of levity annoyed you in this movie, then you don't remember the trilogy, uh, the original trilogy, because the original trilogy was like that, too. They had like funny one-liners and moments of levity, even when they were being chased down by the Empire. Mm. Um, 
So if like if having funny lines in the movie pissed you off, you need to get your head out of your ass. Um, but for me, it was a good time. It was really fun. I also really appreciated how they planted so many seeds for the future. Um, not only in sort of like the, the theme for this movie was letting go of the past in order to find strength in the future, and we saw that with so much. We saw that with the rebellion getting almost completely wiped out. We saw that with Luke Skywalker uh, dying. Um, we saw that with Ray being told that she has she's not part of a special bloodline, um, which you know who knows what the ninth movie will bring. But all these things are telling you, hey, like let go of those things that you've been holding on to for the last forty years, so that we can start telling new Star Wars stories. And I love that. I love the fact that the little kid we meet in the stable is force sensitive, and they're just letting you know that the force is is. Didn't just awaken in Ray in Episode Seven, but it's awakening, awakening in the universe again. Um, I'm really excited for what the future of Star Wars is gonna uh, is gonna bring for us after this trilogy ends. Um, and yeah, like speaking about Ray and those characters, I love the fact that they took so many chances to depart from the obvious paths that the story could have followed through. Uh, you know, this movie since Seven came out two years ago, there's been endless debates between friends and online about oh who could be who could this person be what's going to happen in this movie and every single chance they could it seemed that they were just like nope fuck your fan theory and fuck your fan theory and fuck you <laughs> did their own thing the entire movie and i and i think that got in the, under a lot of people's skin but uh i loved it and i think it set a really cool tone for the future yeah i think you bring up a good point like when kyle o um tells ray about her parents and you know, fans are going to take this either way. They're going to either accept that as the actual truth or, I mean, they're going to look at a skeptic eye until they need, like, two like two valid sources to confirm that or something. <laughs> um, but I hope, part of me kind of hopes that this is the truth about her parents because we got to remember that Skywalkers aren't a long bloodline of famous Jedi or anything. Anakin was a slave and Luke grew up as a farm boy that star wars is all about heroes coming from humble beginnings and what better way for the hero of this trilogy is to be someone that's from humble ambiguous beginnings and is not connected to these legends of the past that the person carrying on legend is of the unknown is from the crowd is not significant in any way yeah, and I'm, I should say too that I'm definitely one of those per- people who has a fan who had fan theories. Like I was a big proponent of the idea that yeah. Ray is a granddaughter of Obi Wan Kenobi and that she's a Kenobi. Um, I would still be super stoked if they actually said that. But I think it makes Ray really cool. And again, I don't trust Kylo Ren by himself. He has an agenda for getting for convincing her that she has no parents because she he wants her to fall to the dark side. But or go to prom with him. <laughs> one or the other. But I'm the fan of the idea that, hey, like, yeah, she's nobody, but it doesn't matter because the Force is in everything, and you don't have to be special in order to be, like, a, be powerful in the Force. Mocha, I like that. I want to add on to that fact because it really builds off of uh, a lot of the lines that Kylo has been saying, and it, it, it wasn't until my second go-around of watching this movie of, he basically said, it, it was basically out with the old and in with the new. And that's what uh, Force Awaken, uh, The Force Awakens had started and started talked about, and we see elements of Han Solo dying, Chewie getting hurt. Things aren't quite happening like we think a typical epic story happens. And then it's then expanded upon in this film of things that people, fan theories, wanted that didn't happen. A lot of people wanted Finn to be a Jedi. When I see that there's a lot of these things, they wanted Finn to be like just as powerful as Rey. 
but but why? I mean, like this is a completely original or trying to be like an original or original story that they're trying to do. And I like the fact that they're saying, "Hey, those movies already happened. We don't need to. We don't need a another emperor like uh, a Sith, uh, a Lord Sidious, because we already had him. So get rid of like just get rid of Snoke because why? He's going to do the same electrical powers that we already seen. But give me something different. We don't. We haven't seen this sort of torn apart like really tempted like we're not he's not entirely sure of himself now he is the leader of you know talking about kylo ren now he's a leader of the first order or whatever their new name's gonna be but he's still divided and arguably like isn't that the like that's what they're trying they're supposed to be like the force in the jedis like they said the most powerful thing is having the balance between darkness and light and if he's torn and he's divided in between of his father and his mother and trying to be on the dark side that makes the most powerful being how they talked about that hmm. yeah um but yeah i think that i don't know i think it's a it's an exciting and fresh kind of direction that ryan johnson has taken with this movie and i get why it upset like longtime fans but those long if you're a longtime fan of star wars then that means you probably started watching this in maybe the 70s, 80s, maybe even early 90s, which means that you were a younger kid when you watched it. And other young kids from this generation deserve their chance at a new Star Wars story, too. So screw you for sending Ryan Johnson death threats. Um, I'm excited about all these new uh, directions we're taking the series in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me toss it over to uh, the other Michael. Blew it. Tell me your thoughts. Yo, what's happening? So, uh... I think Mike just touched on pretty much, like, all of my points in kind of the exact order. Um, I think the one thing that I'd like to, to say is that this felt like George Lucas's original vision of Star Wars, where he wanted to make a space samurai film. Um, I mean, literally, the, like, the sword, the, you know, lightsaber fights from this looked like old Japanese movies. You know, with them facing down and, like, saying mystical things at each other, you know, about family and honor and stuff. And then, you know, swinging at each other with swords. Um, It really, like, visually was amazing. Uh, One shot that I don't think we mentioned uh, yet was uh, Luke forced meditating on the, after, you know, he comes back from his astral projection. And you just see him just sitting there with, like, you know, some Buddhist phrase two feet off the ground. It was like one of those things that you'd find like a book of like Star Wars art. Um, I thought that talking about that, I I really did enjoy the whole leaving the past as well. Um, I really think that Rey is kind of the MVP of this series, uh, kind of pivoting off that, but where she, like Finn was amazing and Han Solo were amazing in The Force Awakens and without Ray Finn was really lackluster in this, and obviously Han Solo's dead, so whatever. Uh, but in this movie, I think that uh, Kylo Ren was a remarkably better um, in this film than he was in Force Awakens, and that's saying something because I really liked him in that. And then Mark Hamill's Luke was like unbelievable in this. Like every, yeah, I was enthralled with everything that guy did as uh, I think Warren was saying before how the, the Jedi have or Bryland how they have fallibility like it she her kind of youthful innocence gave him like it gave him a platform to be kind of this bumbling master around which I absolutely lo- loved 
Um, back to Kylo. I, I mean, again, like I think you're right that they really needed to put a hard stop on what Star Wars was because I think it really showed what Star Wars can be in the future. I mean, clearly they're going to do a ninth film. They've already uh, announced they're going to do an additional trilogy with Ryan Johnson completely at the helm. Like the word Star Wars is going nowhere. If they could up it to a Disney, uh, excuse me, a Marvel-like schedule and give us three Star Wars films a year, I bet they would. Uh, anything else? No, I'm good. I'm good. So the only, everything has been said. Uh, I'm not going to retread on anything. I'm going to try not to. Um, I think the best thing I liked about this movie was it did go back and talk about the fact that I think even the prequels talks it, but I'm glad that they went back and it was more on like a psychology and sort of like the, a, a mental state of you. At one point, you can't keep running and you have to face your past. I know that Kylo has this thing of we have to kill the past and let's like let's start new. We're gonna have to go fresh, but before you have to start fresh, you do have to face it. You have to come to terms with what happened in the past, whether. Kylo is trying to kind of block out the fact that he actually had a loving family, or maybe he didn't. Like, Leia was out fighting wars, Han was going and doing his thing. Uh, I think me and Dylan talked about this a good amount of, basically his deranged, kind of deranged father figure was Luke, and the only person that he looked up to at that time betrayed him and wanted to kill him. And I really like that element. I love that scene, especially because we visit that scene multiple times. The first time we see it, it was in Force Awakens. The second time we see it, we see that, you know, this is Kylo's version of what happened. And then the third time we see it is actually the truth. And that's a really powerful storytelling of coming back to the same idea of what actually happened. Do and, we know it's the truth? Well, no. At this point, yeah, because this is what Luke said. Uh, well, I had a moment of, like, uh, doubt that, it, but it, it passed in a fleeting moment, but that was it. And I was left to seeing the, a scared little boy in his eyes, like it, with his eyes, and that was it. So Luke wanted to kill him because he saw what could be possible, and then changed his mind. But it was already too late. So can, can we trust Luke? I mean, that's a good point. Possibly. I mean, I don't. Have you ever seen any reason why we can't trust Luke? He tried to murder a little boy. But but everybody did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would be, that would have been my top row. He literally said he wants to kill a young boy. Yeah, but so did his father, so he's just following his footsteps. Can't trust him either. (laughs) Mocha, you just said earlier how you wanted to kill a young boy, so I can't trust you either. That kid had it coming. He was a threat. Um, (laughs) Physically So the last Jedi is actually Pennywise the Clown. Oh, okay. (laughs) That would be a hell of a crossover. (laughs) <laughs> it's really you brought that up though, Warren, because that really is cool from a storytelling perspective, right? So there's that old saying where there's three sides to any story, your side, my side, and the truth. Um, and regardless of whether or not we got the full truth from all those different perspectives, it's clear that no matter what happened, no matter which side of that is correct, it is, even if it's just a misunderstanding, it is an irreconcilable situation. Like, even if, if Luke wasn't trying to murder him, if Kylo thinks that he was then that's not a situation that they can get over. Kyle can never go back to Luke and accept his apology because he feels like he woke up in bed one day and this old man was standing over him trying to stab him with a laser sword. Um, and, and it's great because it just creates this chasm that can't be breached. Um, and that's a kind of you know a drama or set of tension that you usually don't see in stories like this, especially with hero's journey stories. Um, the, the villain versus the bad guy and their reason for their animosity 
or the hero and the bad guy's animosity is usually pretty black and white. Um, and there's usually an out for one of them, whether it's through forgiveness or acceptance or whatever. But this is one of those things where it doesn't matter which one's fully, like, completely accurate. It's, a, it's too awkward of a situation to just sweep under the rug. Depends on how big the rug is. <laughs> I mean, so I I was just glad that they really expanded on some things that I wanted to know more about, especially um, like in the pre- from the prequels, from the original stories of the majority of the things that we hear when they are talking about and doing the Jedi training is you know avoid the dark side, avoid the dark side, shut off your emotions, shut off your feelings. We hear this all the time, but now we we're in this realm in which case it's like well you actually need to explore that a little bit and i'm really glad that we actually see ray go to the dark side starting that and then she physically goes in there as like a physical manifestation and then as you can see her progressing through it we see all the multiple copies of her in this actual scene and she's snapping and that's like some awesome stuff but actually what's happening is that she's physically going through this journey to be to be, to like to come to terms with what's happened in her life, yeah, she's in the dark side. But at the same time, she, it also is giving her the answer she needs to answer the question. And if there's a repressed memory or something that's repressed inside you, the only way to kind of get that, or at least kind of take the next step forward, you have to explore it. She was abandoned as a child. We still don't quite know the actual truth. So the only way to get that truth is let's open that. But we have to open up that actual memory and let's see what actually happens. And the only person that's able to really empathize and, like, stand eye-to-eye with her is Kylo. And it's also a very sad story what's happening there because her, the, I guess his best father figure is actually Snoke, the only person that was there and kind of sort of believed in him and kind of trained him up to be that. And it's sad that you have the Jedi Master, you have Han Solo that all has failed him, but Snoke was the person to kind of step in. And I like seeing the, those kind of elements because it makes a bit more sense of why he's going to go and turn, but his quote-unquote turn is not from, you know, dark side to light, but it's, and it's like, away from the dark side, and he's just now, like, in the middle, like I was talking about before, being that balance. Um, so I like how they kind of expanded on that. They really talked about a, a bit of, you know, this is what happens. Even the fact of, you know, we get Finn's story, and Finn's story is, you know, he's a sky, he's a sky trooper. He's a stormtrooper that ran away. He was raised from nothing. He knows nothing, and this is what he's training for and so that's the story. We actually don't see this anymore. But then enters, you know, Rose and her sister. And Rose was actually raised through slavery. And they had to do what these little kids did. And so now Finn sees a completely new story of, well, I'm not just the only one. You know, we at this point in episode seven, we see that uh, Ray was potentially abandoned. But Finn was also just kind of given away. But then Rose was just also in the same scenario. So it's nice to see these different characters kind of mash up and mesh up well. I like kind of seeing those to the point where now Finn has something that I still like Finn. I still want Finn to be like a badass. I do. He, he has like awesome moments. His fight scene and his, uh, his fight scene at the end was pretty cool. Um, but it's nice because he stopped running. All in episode seven, all he was doing was running away until he found that, okay, I need to try to save Ray. So Finn coming back, having something to fight for, he fight for Rose, like that's going to be something that's blossoming. He finally gets a chance to see Ray. That's awesome because he actually has that friend that he still had the first connection with, but now he has like a completely different connection that he never 
uh, he never had before. So he has friendship, he has leadership, he also has this love and like romantic relationship, and that's just awesome to see. And I'm glad they're also building on these characters, especially with Ray. We've already talked about her a lot, but I'm I'm, I'm glad of seeing these characters build from one movie to the next. So I thought that was pretty cool. So. I'm excited to talk about more of the stuff that we love, but I'm also really pumped to expand and explore some things that we didn't like. Uh, uh, actually, I'm going to start with Dylan here because he talked about something that could have been better, in particular, we talked about the actual um, light jump scene. Um, so I'm going to toss it over to Dylan and says, let's, let's talk about that scene. And uh, what, what about that scene you didn't quite like? Or, and then other things you just didn't like about Star Wars. Um, first of all, that scene, it should have been Leia. Like, you had it right there in your hands. It's the perfect way to end her. Like, she should have just been like, no, bitch with the purple hair, you stay with these motherfuckers. You're going to lead them from here on out. Let me end this. And, like, that, I thought, come on. It was like, it was like a gimme to me. Um, Yo, Dylan, Dylan. One, one thing on that one, just before I forget, that's uh, Laura Dern, a.k.a. the chick, the scientist from uh, Jurassic Park, was the purple-haired chick, which I didn't recognize at all until I saw it in the credits, but... She got, like, way more attractive with age. Yeah, fine wine. Uh, the second thing is that they apparently the original plan for the trilogy was to have Han Solo be the... You know, the old guidance in the first movie. Then Luke Skywalker was going to be the old guy in the, the second movie. And then Leia was going to pay off, you know, and she would be the like the old guidance in the third one. And then she died after they filmed the whole movie. So there was, I agree with you, that was a, a would have been a great way to send her off. But she literally was not on the planet to do it. You know, like they couldn't, they didn't have the opportunity I honestly didn't even think about that, and that's a really freaking cool idea. But they just didn't... It wouldn't have happened. She died. She did. I... I understand what you're saying. I just still think it was... And it's not a huge miss. Like, to me, it was just like, hey, I would have liked it better this way. Um, I think some of the harder parts for me were... Man, the first hour of that movie was... It was a struggle for me because <laughs> it was a little slow going. A lot of, it was real wordy, and I just—it's it, not that I had a hard time like paying attention and like knowing what was going on. It was just like, hey, this is a Star Wars movie. I want to see some people kick the shit out of each other, and you know, it was a lot of just like, I get it, you know. Kylo, you got daddy issues. Luke, you got daddy issues. <laughs> like, figure out your fucking daddy issues. And then let's see Ray just, like, blow some shit up. And it took, you know, an hour, hour and a half to get there. And it, I, yeah, absolutely. The last 45 minutes to an hour of that movie, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, just excited. But I just thought it took a little while to get there. And I, I think we could have missed a couple things and been totally fine with it. Um, I, I also, I really didn't love, I, I know it was mentioned before. I think it was you, Brylin, who said that you loved Benicio del Toro's character. And I, I like 
I love. There's never been a bad movie that Benicio Del, Del Toro is like acting in. He's always his role is good, whether the movie's bad or not. Um, I think I associate him to Saul Guerrero a lot. Is in like I, they just don't tell you a lot about him, um, and you don't understand the motives a lot behind him and what he's trying to do. Um, just like in Rogue One, you know, he's just, you understand like he's got a relationship, you know, with Jane Arceau's father, and but that's it. And then like all of a sudden, he's like a crazy psycho dude. He's got he's like mixed emotion, and then in this movie all of a sudden this guy just comes out of nowhere and, you know, is playing a pretty pivotal role in something. And I just like, I wish I knew more about him and kind of understood a little bit more about him. Also, I'm never, I've never read any star Wars comics or seen anything else. I don't know like what maybe this dude's done in other, you know, worlds of star Wars, but I just wanted to know more about him. Yeah. Um, the other loss for me, and it's not really a loss, and it's maybe more of along the lines of like I just wanted to know more. Um, the the Rose and Finn relationship, it's just like it kind of one it leaves you hanging in a good way. You're like, oh, is this dude gonna hook up with Ray or is this dude gonna hook up with Rose? Because like that's what the end of you know Force Awakens kind of leads you with is like I don't know what exactly Ray and Finn's relationship is. They both need each other in these own kind of particular ways, but also have their own thing going on. Um, and then her role kind of comes in, Rose comes in and it's just like, she plays like an important role for Finn. I just don't know if her role really mattered in the movie in the grand scheme of things. Um, I just, again, I just want to know more about her. Um, and I wanted them to kind of dive more into that relationship. If and the, the other thing with Finn is like I wanted Finn, I wanted Finn to die. Right. I wanted her to not save him. Like, yep. In his role in the movies so far, we're kind of to provide that little bit of comedic relief that Han gave you in the original trilogy. He just wasn't as good as it, or as good at it as Han was. And I think that. The movie could go either way with him being a character going, you know, here and out. But I think it was a good time if you're going to, like, make a good scene in a movie where you kind of just grasp everybody and kind of give everybody that oh shit kind of moment. Like, let that dude fly right into that blaster and blow it up. Um, but I also, I do kind of like the fact that she saves him in a small little way of like, all right, he's about to do something so much more now. And now I'm like excited. Like I was never excited about Finn's character until he didn't die. And because I wanted him to die the whole time. Yeah. I, 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 you, oh, go ahead, Mocha. Well, I was gonna say I'm pretty I'm pretty well aligned with you on that, Dylan. Um, for for Finn's character, that would have been a perfect place for him to die because when we're introduced to him, he's somebody who's been forced into a war that he doesn't want to fight in, who runs away from it, and the people who help him run away from it happen to force him to join this exact same war, but from the other side. And he, he tries to run. Out. 
Yeah, and he tries to run away from it in this movie too. And his second time running away, he while he's on Kanto Bite, he learns through Rose that there are other people that are enslaved because of the war and that there's a reason to fight and pick a side. And so him actually killing himself in that moment would have been a really cool, complete full circle for his character. Um, so I was I, I was right on board with you too. I was ready for the dying that moment, but now I'm glad. I want to see who he is as someone who now has resolve as a fighter and this with a with a stake in the war. It also gave- yeah, it's all, I, you go war. Yeah, I think he's still like Finn. It, Finn is my character. Finn is my character. I really like Finn. That's racist. I just want more about. Him. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's because of racist duh. But I, um, the thing that I liked about this is he chose to left because he made a decision and he had this pretty long speech in episode seven of he's like the first time I had a chance I chose and I chose I'm not gonna fight for them. I'm gonna I'm gonna just run away and then I ran into you and nobody's ever looked at me like that and he. Like Ray provided him hope to fight back, and so but he was fighting for Ray. He wasn't. He wasn't fighting for the war. He was fighting at, for. Well, Ray. Here, here's yep. the thing. At at this point, here's the reason why I think he was fighting back. At that point, he was fighting for Ray. Once they got Ray, he then chose to fight back on the planet Star Killer base. So this is his moment to then fight back because he could have left. They they, they could have left, and Han Solo was like, "No, we can't leave. They need our help." So he chose to fight back. He stayed there. Ray was also like kind of hurt. He was still fighting for Ray, but at this point now, until he meets DJ, I feel he then it was this weird of wait, am I, am I? I'm not now. I'm kind of unsure. So now he's still like fighting for Rose. But then in this scene, in this movie, when he started actually fighting Phasma, who was he fighting for? Because he actually doesn't need to fight her at all. No, he's but yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, he's finally made that decision. But yeah. in episode seven, when he's on Starkiller Base, he is still only fighting for, for Ray. He couldn't yeah, have a choice exactly. to leave Starkiller Base. He's not a pilot. He had no choice but to stay with Ray because she knew how to fly a plane. Okay. But and also, um, he never would have beat Phasma, let's be honest. And we'll also, he I, hope she's not yeah, yeah. I, I know. I hope she comes back like like a piece of bacon, just oh, like well, totally I scarred, think. stuck inside her armor like Doctor Doom, just like pissed off, yeah, like, like one giant well. bulging eye shooting out of her her helmet. Or <laughs> just give her a bacon costume to wear next. <laughs> I love the Phasma fan theory that like Phasma is not like a single person uh, or like a single character. She is like an army. That was created mm. by the New Order, and You're like there are a, a bunch of her, and that's what they call them. She's and Negan. He, <laughs> 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 yes, Rick. Uh, but like, apparently, she is like the clone of Clone Wars. Interesting. That'd be cool. like new cl- new New Order clones or something. Exactly. Exactly. I thought that, I was like, that would actually be pretty interesting. I would watch a movie on that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to toss it over to Brylin. What's some things you, you, you didn't like about Star Wars? Uh, I would say the biggest uh, thing that kind of brought me down was this This movie did kind of suffer from the Disney sequelitis of let's just pack more stuff into it and make it bigger and badder and, than the previous movie. Uh, but we lose out on some cohesion of the story because of that. Um, I think it's almost a requirement to see this movie twice because I don't see how you can pick up on everything in this movie that's going on because they did add a lot of stuff to it. And there's like moments that just really don't we really don't need. They could have shaved off some 
scenes that were totally unnecessary. You don't need uh, Poe and Ray having a meet and greet for the first time. I mean, I I swear it'd be totally impossible for them to not say hi to one another up until this point. That was like 15 seconds, though. That was, come on. That was 15 seconds seconds that wasn't a battle in Star Wars. (laughs) Or, um, I would, I would also say like the, it it also caused the pacing to be a little rough too. So this show starts really in, I mean, this movie starts really intense. That small idea of them just being chased through space. I mean, it's totally from Battlestar Galactica, but it does create a nice moment of tension of, this is a very desperate time for the rebels, but they can't, they find no way of continuing to drive that tension throughout the movie. They do have these rough stopping, stopping points where they have to unload a lot of exposition and then move on to the next scene to uh, show you what's going to happen. What they, from what they just explained. Um, And I would say, the other uh, thing that I felt was, uh, I mean, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way was just the visual look of Canto Bright. I thought it just, it didn't feel like it was a Star Wars uh, type of scene. Uh, it felt, the CG on it felt very, like, shiny and sheeny, and uh, I know that's kind of the point of it, but it felt like it looked exactly like something you'd see in uh, the, the prequel series where it's all like just very obvious CG popping out. Um, and I also thought when we saw the tracks, <laughs> the racetrack, I thought we were about to see some pod races happening and not kangaroo or human face kangaroos running around. What's the name? Tossing over to add it. Yeah. Um, I was surprised when I actually started making my list, there were some like nitpicky things that um, I, considering all the stuff that I was talking about before that they stuffed into this film that either just didn't make sense or was kind of rushed considering again, how long this movie is like going back to the, the Finn Rose thing that seemed to happen awful quickly that she's like smooching him at the end of the movie. Um, for me, that was kind of weird. There needed to be a little bit more development, maybe less like, uh, sucking on space alien booby on the seashore, like scene, and then more, <laughs> Hey, here's Finn and Rose talking about, you know, maybe like awkward tension, which could have been a 15 second scene of like, you know, Rose looking over and like Finn's bending over and she's checking out his butt. Something weird like that. Like it's simple, you know, you just plant to see it. Um, I also, speaking of Chewbacca, I think I, I needed a little bit more Chewbacca in this film. Um, for my liking, uh, considering that we lost Han, I think I needed a little bit more furry Wookiee. Let, like, Finn also, I'm sorry, Warren, like, he was, to me, like, his story was the weakest, and he should have, he should have flown right into that laser, he should have died a hero, and then we shouldn't have had to worry about it. I love John Boyega, but, like, his character was way useless in this film, like, considering how cool he was in the last movie. Um, I was made more interested. We have had a hero, maybe he'll live long enough to be a villain. (laughs) <laughs> is that a line from yep. uh, Star Wars? It's a line from Star uh, Wars the Star, Star Wars, Wars Christmas Nine. special. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I can't stand Finn. <laughs> that dude. In this movie, like, they just used him for comedic relief in any situation that they could and tried to crack. And, like, I know you touched on this, Mike, about, like, you know, that comedic relief and, you know, those moments where it's just like, oh, they crack a little joke. 
I love that in every movie except this movie. Because the jokes in this they, one were awkward. They, it, not only were they awkward, but they were way too often. Like, we were, well, we were getting like comedic relief every yeah. 15 minutes in this movie. And I'm just true. like, I'm like, okay. Like, I get it. We got those little quirky moments with, like, a character like Han where, you know, he's more so funny because he's so pretentious and arrogant. And, like, that's why he's comedic in so many points in the movie. And then you got a character that's Finn who has no reason to be arrogant whatsoever. And he's, like, arrogantly comedic. And I just, I don't like it at all. That's <laughs> it almost it, seemed like they were forcing all of his jokes. Like exactly. when they were in the elevator, I was waiting for like, <laughs> like, a, like a gag fart or something. And everybody I know, it was, it, it was almost predictable. Like it's it was more almost a, I mean, predictable. It's, it's more finding fair. humor out of a moment that may or may not have been set up for comedy versus something that's like blatantly comedic. Just not pulling it off. Yeah, and like fun the, fact, if you switch Jar Jar and Finn, it's still the same the character. Same character. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. That's why I hate the pool. I'm not even going to go. I'm not even going to You can't even right now, Warren? I, can't, I just Do a public spice latte? <laughs> I mean, fuck all you people who don't like Finn, because you are wrong. But do you have yeah, better stuff to do in this film. Well, I think, and it was more along the lines of, if you have a chance, and I think, Abbott, you've seen it once, go into the movie again, and it's tough to say that, hey, spend $40, right, to get a fully understanding of this Star Wars movie, because that's two movie tickets, especially if you live in New York, Mocha. Uh, <laughs> Abbott, uh, I do agree with a lot you're saying, not the Finn stuff, but I, I do agree with, like, the. Um, there was a lot of moments in... And the same thing you said, Dylan. Like it was to the point where it's like, well, you're changing up, and there's a big, it's a drastic change from episode seven to episode eight of a lot of moments that we can use silence, and silence is golden. You've heard that a lot. You actually get a lot from silence, but they filled it with a lot more comedic beats and moments to try to further things along to make it more enjoyable to watch. But sometimes that does take away from character development, and sometimes it changes how I should feel about a scene. If I'm learning about the first for the the force for the first time from a, I'm a person, right? The first time you learn about the force in a lot of these other movies, it's not a comedic moment. This movie is a comedic moment, and it's kind of played for uh, is is definitely could be a hindrance, and that's something I, I've always look out for. And even when I watch it the second time, I was like, well, they could have did this a little differently so that it, it's more impactful. Uh, but they explained it in episode seven, and they re-explained it in episode eight. And honestly, I think they redid that twice just to tell people, "Hey, it's not about the midichlorians, so let's forget about that shit and throw that away." Um, so if they explain the force again in this next movie, I will be very surprised, but I don't think they will. So um, I see that. Yeah, you know, I mean, like mostly in regards to the humor, I don't think it was all like delivered poorly. I just feel like sometimes the jokes didn't land at all. Like even the beginning when like Poe flies up and is talking to General Hicks, the guy on the bomber, and then he has that moment where he's like, oh, oh, I General Hicks. Hicks. Oh, <laughs> says, oh, your mom, I said hi. Like, 
<laughs> and he calls him General Hugs. It's like, uh, okay, we're like two minutes into the movie, and all of a sudden it's like a buddy comedy between, like, what's exactly. going on right now? Oh, no, that's a that that Poe Dameron character is another sort of derivative of Han Solo because you're right, the, you're right. The opening yeah. movie, the opening of Number Seven, is like, you talk, I'm supposed to talk, I'm supposed to talk, you supposed to talk. What's, what's happening? What are we doing here? And we know that that's like a funny moment of it. So I understand, and I, and I got that. But all the other characters that wasn't quite there for them, like especially Finn has a lot of faces that he has like this surprise face. Next time you see it, count how many times Finn has a did that just happen face. I think it's pretty funny. But, but then maybe he shouldn't say anything and he should just make dumb faces. Maybe that's what Finn is. <laughs> wow. With it. With it. Wow. With it. <laughs> But also, really, like, there's other moments. Here, there's other moments in the film, like the like one of my favorite parts beyond like Rubber Yoda is the part where the the, the, the the iron is coming down, like the iron is coming down, and you're supposed to think it's a spaceship landing, but then you're like, oh no shit, it's literally just an iron <laughs> ironing clothes. That like, took that me a second time to figure that. Like, that one part out. was well written and well thought up, and then some of like the jokey dialogue I just didn't like. Um, but beyond that. Uh, also, going back to the Rubber Yoda, uh, who's the MVP of this movie for real, uh, why don't we get like Rubber uh, Obi Wan and Rubber Anakin Skywalker? Like they could be Force <laughs> Ghosts there too. They could totally there be yet. there, but they're not there yet in that in their life. Like, but if they could be digitally inserted into remastered versions of past movies, why can't they show up uh, to Luke Skywalker and say, "Hey, yo, what up? Why don't you quit being a grumpy old man?" Because he what I mean. Yoda was the actual teacher of Luke. And I think that's an awesome teaching moment at that time to say, hey, at one point, like it, when all hope is lost, you see the only sort of beacon of hope. And we hear this word hope a lot, especially here in Rogue One. You see the only person that really kind of pushed you and to kind of go there. Even Mocha even talked about it before of Obi-Wan wasn't a really, he was not the teacher of Luke. Yoda was a teacher of Luke. And if Luke is having doubts of himself about everything, the only person that you can hear that is Yoda. And then when he says that, you know, the Jedi Master is what the student achieves to be, or it's what the student kind of goes past and, like, what, what that student becomes. Goes apart, surpass at a one That's only... Yoda's the only person that's able to do that moment. And so that's the only time that all we need is Yoda there. Because Anakin doesn't really make sense why he's there. We, we, I'm, I'm just saying, I think it would be great to have like uh, like an Alan Guinness. That was Obi, right? Old like, Obi. Yeah. And then Sir like Alan a, a flying, a eel. Yeah, but like they could, Grand Moff Tarkin him, do like a digital, he's a ghost anyway. He's going to be a holographic ghost. And then maybe like a James Earl Jones with no arms or no legs kind of floating there. <laughs> I think that would be great. I think though they could also come in and just give him, I'm super serious. That would have been great. Yoda was great, but I think if you're going to go to 10, you might as well go to 11. That's all I'm yeah. saying. All right, King Friday. Yeah. What's up? Oh, no, all I was going to say to your comment about... You're, you're right, Yoda is Luke's teacher, but I think Obi-Wan taught him the most important lesson, and that's like what it comes back to in the Force is giving yourself to the Force. I'm going to toss it over to Blew It. Blew It. Tell me about some of the things that Mocha's wrong about. <laughs> uh, first of all, fucking rubes. <laughs> I think the um, so two big things. Uh, someone mentioned it in the 
wins that they kind of like the open-endedness of where this film was going. I kind of didn't like the second part of a trilogy needs to have you can you can have room for like twists, but you need to have direction. It literally is like the next movie going to be about the little kid becoming force sensitive. Is it just going to be Kylo and Rey? Is like what are they going to do with Princess Leia? Cuz obviously like you got to talk, you know, you got to think about that like um where does Poe uh, po and Finn fit into this? Like, th- oh. there's just all these. They they don't really have a place to go, but because they have everywhere to go. Um, and I would have loved to see a little bit more of a pointedness there. Um, the other thing is that uh, Rose uh, felt like a focus group character. She literally just felt like they picked a bunch of people in a room. They're like, all right, we need a new Star Wars character. Well, all right, let's make her a woman. All right, cool. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, well, she's got to be like an ethnic minority, even though that makes no space uh, sense because in space there's no such thing as ethnicities. They're not even human. Um, and, and she's got to be like spunky but like a sensitive side. And so like they, they put all that into one character and made it completely disingenuous. Like you have all those things that are, you know, you have the quips from all these characters. You have representation, you know, from the, the big three fairly well done. And then you just kind of, like, added this extra character with no real substance that just maligned Finn for an entire movie. Couldn't stand Wait, her. If, if space Asians don't exist, then what's up with Chirrut in Rogue One? 30 years <laughs> before this movie even starts. True. No, I'm space saying... Asian. I'm saying that... I'm saying Asia doesn't exist. Space Asian. Asia is not a concept. They, they're just, like, they're from some island in yeah, Corellia. Yeah, they never call her Asian. Like, oh, that's Maz? Just... A hundred years later. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not specifically saying that because, uh, but like about the character in the movie. I'm saying that about the decision to make the character in some exact. She felt. She felt so unbelievably. I know what you're trying to say. She felt forced by an executive board, not a creative decision. You know. I agree. And uh, I'm with you. Like I, I don't see the need for that character. And she, really? uh, her, I mean, her character doesn't really. I mean, her character is purely. It's a sideshow. It's like a side give, act to get you to, to give not Finn, think about something else that's going to on. To give Finn's like character a different direction. But uh, I mean, yeah, their their storyline, their adventure, they go on to, um, to be able to uh, get the plans they need. That. Um, it's a uh, it's the weakest part of this film, and yeah. so a lot of things just don't play well during that time with Finn and uh, Rose. I mean, you can have a plan that fails, but don't make it half the movies. Warren, did you go yet? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, so there was a lot of things. Uh, there was some things I didn't like about the movie. Um. I think we talked about some of the ones, especially that I really wanted more from DJ. I feel like his character has kind of popped up on nowhere. I felt a lot of the love story kind of came up on nowhere that we need a little bit more with kind of Finn. Um, that was kind of a bummer. I wanted some more from Luke. Um, I love the fact that we given something that we've never seen this before. So Luke does it and he kind of sends himself to do an actual lightsaber battle that actually not there. Uh, did everybody else pick up on the fact that this wasn't until the second time I watched it during that lightsaber battle, Luke had a blue lightsaber instead of the green one that we saw beforehand, <laughs> knowing that he was a projection. He wasn't actually real. Yeah. This was- yeah. So there were two things there. It was that gave it away the blue lightsaber, which I didn't notice the first time through, but also 
Um, while everyone else who runs around on crate kicks up the white dust and leaves red trails, and Luke doesn't leave any. Mm. His haircut was yeah, also different, too. Jedi. Salt? That's also, awesome. he doesn't exist. Yeah. That's a good point. I actually didn't pick up on that, so uh, good call-up for that. Um, so I, I was, I was, I wanted, a, I want a bit more from Luke, and I think that they have always toyed. Sorry to tell you. Yeah, they have always toyed. Yeah, right. They have always toyed with this idea of it was more along the lines of the Jedi idea. Just because you have this power doesn't mean you have to use it. This power is not supposed to be used for gain, pleasure, whatever. It's only supposed to be used to protect the good. Well, yeah, but doesn't Luke kind of give you the impression that if you don't use it, you lose it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He clearly well, didn't lose yeah. it. We've never seen anyone except for Yoda do a fourth production like that in the Clone Wars animated series. Um, so, I mean, obviously, he didn't lose it. He got, he felt, I mean, his body wasn't able to handle it, but he still had his control over the Force. Still got his groove back? Still got her groove back. I, I wanted to see more from Luke. I was really hoping that like, we haven't seen this dude in so long. All we see him do is a pretty pretty cool moment to blow up the entire sort of like shelter that uh, Ray was staying on on the island, uh, and then do that. But I I I kind of wanted to see him do a little bit more. I'm kind of bummed that he didn't get that. Well, what's uh, kind of cool? I, I agree. I see where you're coming from, Warren. I agree. Like I would have loved to see Luke do a million different things, but. It's cool from a sort of like a, a lore perspective because the point of the Jedi is that, and Yoda teaches this, um, like says this a lot during, I can't remember if it's when he's training Luke, but he says that, that a Jedi is supposed to be, is meant to use his power to defend, not to attack. Um, mm-hmm. Jedi are never supposed to be aggressors. And that was part of the fall of the Jedi in the prequels during the Clone Wars. They became generals for the Republic Army and they lost their way and they lost their connection to the Force. Um, so for the first, and the same thing with Luke. Like we saw Luke be powerful throughout the original trilogy, but he became closer and closer to the dark side as he used his abilities more and more to fight. So to see him finally reconnect with the Force and to find his complete and perfect center by using the Force not to actually fight because he wasn't there, but just to give the other people a chance to leave was actually really poetic because he died finally reaching that level, that height of being a true Jedi that the other Jedi before him weren't able to do. Yeah, yeah and I also think of. Makes a lot more sense because if you think of it, Luke, even though he's looking down on himself, I mean, he probably his physical body has not trained to be a Jedi master level Jedi for a while. So he's going to use the next best thing, which is his mind and the will of the force. I appreciate that he gave himself a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those things are important. Um yeah, also, I think that uh, Ray's robes and his robes at the end are kind of grayish, kind of mixing both light and dark. Hmm. I, I think the I other, didn't pick up on that, Brian. Yeah, that's good. The only other things that I was kind of uh, kind of bummed about was when there there's a lot of sacrifice and there's a lot of death. There is a lot of death in this movie that is completely just washed away. Uh, we open up with the fact that you know because. Um, Oscar Isaacs or Poe's character is such a hothead. They he destroys half their fleet, their bombing unit, all this stuff, just to destroy something that they didn't need to destroy. And we were we held on the moment there, but then we could anybody even tell me Rose's sister's name? Doesn't matter. It was like Paige. Jackie. Yeah, it doesn't matter. 
Who cares? Right? Thank you, Blue. It doesn't matter. Because we like we were we had this moment with there, there's all these other people are happening, all these people are either dying, and then we see fast forward, we see that, you know, Snoke was sh- trying to show Ray these people still dying, but we don't get anything from that. And I understand that's the part of war, but at the same time, there has to be an importance of these lives that are lost, whether it's a memorial, whether it's something kind of told about like, hey, we fucked up multiple times. Rick, arguably because of Finn and Poe and Rose, all those people died that they didn't need to die. Some Canadian. Oh, thank you. Eh? <laughs> uh, but I mean, so, we got everything we needed to from Rose's Rose explaining her sister's backstory. She's like, my sister was a pilot. She believed in the in the cause. She she died in our stupid assault on this thing. Like that's all you really need to know about her. Yeah. 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 But do you need a moment to actually explain who she is? This movie was long I mean, enough. I mean, I didn't even need that. Didn't... Honestly, showing that the lady who died in the ship was also space Asian and also had one side of a gold trinket, that's all I needed space to know about Asian. her character. <laughs> like, that's all I needed to know about her character. That's space Asian X. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, most of my misses, and I feel like everybody else's too, fall under one general canopy and that is that this is clearly a Disney film. More so than Episode Seven. definitely more so than Rogue One. This is the most Disney Star Wars film we've ever seen. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of good things that come out of that, but also a lot of bad, um, including everything we've already said. Um, the, the dialogue was just way too on the nose. Um, so much of the lines were just telling you exactly what you needed to know about the given scene, or exactly how you needed to feel. Um, and there wasn't any sort of subtlety or anything like that uh, whatsoever, uh, which kind of threw me off, and I didn't really enjoy that much. Um, I'm not one for... All right, so I'm all about suspension of disbelief, okay? I'm not one for bringing up physics when it comes to a movie like this, but there are two things that I couldn't get past that just killed me in this movie. Well, I'm going to bring up physics. Hold up. <laughs> no, no, hold on. No, because this is important. Hey, I don't give a shit about physics, but... Hold on, I studied some fucking physics. <laughs> this is my Kanye moment, all right? Um, so, we've got, during the space chase, we've got the uh, the supremacy chasing down the Radis capital ship, all right? Now, all the ships in the fleet are flying in one direction, right? And they're flying at full speed. Whenever a ship runs out of, out of gas, they shouldn't just list backwards. It's space. They should just continue on forever in the direction that they're pointed because there's no friction and there's no gravity and there's no reason for them to just f- tumble backwards. Like, that was just really silly to me. They should just keep moving. I, I love how when they come out of warp speed, they, it's just a dead stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just hit the e-brake. They don't move. I wish we had the video well, on that so we could see Dylan's perfect example of, like, breaking in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, like that drove me crazy. That chase, that chase scene is really big, and I know you've seen this multiple times, Mocha. That chase scene or the chase trope is really big in Japanese animation, mm-hmm. and that's a huge thing that they typically use. There's a countdown, there's a timer that's used with the chase or something that's happening to build suspense. And so I joked about. It. I think I was talking to somebody, maybe Abbott of. I'm pretty sure Ryan Johnson used to watch or definitely reads a good amount of like Japanese stuff or animation because this was right out of that. This was literally plucked right out, especially 
especially with the swords and stuff like that and the fighting, Nips was plucked out of there and he used that trope again. So the moment that he's like, how much fuel do they have? Oh, they have less than half. Oh, they have their own critical. Oh, they're about to, they just kept building onto that. I was like, oh, that's, that's hilarious. I've seen this multiple times. So, but I yeah. do agree with you like on the, the physics things of it could have been done a bit better. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they should just kept drifting along. Unless maybe, like, an asteroid hit one of them, and that should gently change its trajectory. I don't know. Either way, it just annoyed me that they listed backwards. Um, <laughs> it's fucking space. Um, also, another thing with the space chase is after Supremacy is chasing the Radis capital ship, it's firing these shots at it over and over, right? Trying to ping away at its shields. Cool. Guess what? You can't lob a shot in space because there's no <laughs> gravity to make it arc. You shoot a fucking, like, laser beam or a cannon in one direction, and it travels in that direction and hits something. You don't just lob shot after shot. That made no it's sense. It's actually way it. easier in space, if you think about it. <laughs> to lob something? No, what's going to... What's gonna no, I'm saying, I'm saying you don't have to lob. You just... Oh, yeah. Just aim at it something. and yeah. then hit it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I get that there's they want no to... There's no depth perception involved. They want to make it look dramatic, and I get that. But God damn it! like, there's no lobbying in space. It's like, hey, you don't have tanks in space. That's not how this fucking You works. don't have to leave your shots or anything. <laughs> exactly. And, like, I don't want to, I, like, I don't care. Special disbelief or whatever. But half of the movie was just watching that ship lob fucking oh shots at the, at the capital ship. It's been every Star Wars movie, though, so. I've never seen them lob a shot in space. It's always been dead-on shots. Yeah, it's always been dead-on shots. Oh, uh, no. I mean, Stormtrooper targeting is... Even like, yeah, I mean, but, but if that's that. in a hallway, there's artificial gravity on a spaceship. I'm talking about the ship to ship battles. And I mean, what, the Tanta 4? I mean, some of those shots went over its nose. I don't know. The best like, argument I could hear is maybe a y, a y bomber, a Y wing bomber, but then you could argue that they propelled them downward or something like that. It's still going in a straight line at the very Or the A wing and Return of the Jedi that actually did barrel rolls into a bridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. On fire in space. <laughs> okay, you got any misses left? I do. So, um... Here. There shouldn't have been... You're right, there was too much humor in this movie. In my opinion, I'm fine with humor everywhere else. There should have been zero humor in the space chase scenes. That should have been dire and dramatic yes! and desperate. Not it's like, hey, we're trying not to die. Let's not make fucking jokes. Everyone that's left in the resistance is dying one after another. There should be no time for jokes whatsoever. The lack of a sense of urgency in the space chase scene specifically really got to me throughout it and kept pulling me out of the film. Um, also, and as you can see, a lot of my issues come to the space chase. But I understand the narrative purpose of the space chase. But can someone explain to me why the supremacy couldn't just accelerate? Like... That is the capital ship in the entire uh, fucking uh, New Order or New Order Navy, and it, easy it, answer. Uh, the the radish is faster. <laughs> Gas is expensive. It wasn't faster. It wasn't faster. They're lighter. They said that they're lighter, and that's why they fast and we can't keep up. So this is the distance. They established that pretty early on before the space started. What, so so one, 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 one thing. So I'll give them that though. But if that's the case, their Tie Fighters like. Sure, they were worried that TIE fighters would get too far out in the distance, but we also knew that the front of the ship was completely unarmed with shields. So why not just sacrifice a couple of the soldiers that you don't care about anyway because you're the fucking First Order? Send them on a suicide mission to ping the front of the ship twice and the whole thing goes down. Like, 
It was that. That was Again, just what, 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 yeah, my, exactly. my big thing. <laughs> what my big thing is, you have a, a method of transportation that takes you from one place to another in literally the blink of some light. Why don't you just hyperdrive a couple star destroyers like four hundred feet in front of them, have them turn around, and then they're just trapped. Like. You yeah. can make a box if you, you want. Got, like, you guys got some pro tips for the space Nazis. Right? Yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. And again, I get the point of it. It's all for the narrative. It's all to create this drama. But it just seemed like a little forced just for the sake of having it. Um, you know, ultimately, I think at the end of the day, this was the most Star Trek Star Wars film I've seen ever. Yes. It felt very Star Trek. And I don't, like, that's not a bad thing because I love me some Star Trek. But I do love the fact that Star Trek and Star Wars are inherently different in their feel. And so it's a, it's a little interesting. I don't know how I feel about the fact that they're starting to blend together. Um, but we'll see where that goes. But this is definitely the most Star Trek, Star Wars film we've had yet. Is that a negative? Yes. yes. Oh, 100%. Because you don't like Star Trek because you're a terrible person? Did you not listen to anything I just said? I said I love Star Trek. I know, I'm I, kidding. Okay. Well, the I, next film, Episode Nine, is going to be a crossover. You heard that, right? God damn it, Abbott. <laughs> a crossdresser? Yes. That too. So, we're excited. It's been six hours since we started recording. Uh, but let's go into uh, a bit of a final thoughts, final conclusions. I'm going to start with the prettiest person I know on the face of the earth. Oh. Uh, Mocha, what is your final thoughts? <laughs> I think I hurt everybody else's feelings there. Uh, what's your, <laughs> what's your I thought it was going to be blew it. I know. No, we all know that's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Mocha, final thoughts and conclusions of Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi. First of all, thank you. I know there's some pretty tough competition here, so I'm glad to get this award. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You earned this superlative. (laughs) Um, Ultimately, you know, this film is a huge fuck you to anybody who thinks that their headcanon owns the creative direction of the franchise. Um, If the movie made you mad... You don't remember the originals well. Um, it excellently sets the stage for a new generation of fans to experience a new story while giving old-time fans a lot of meat to dig their teeth into. Um, and honestly, I think those new fans deserve that chance. And I think us older fans deserve a couple twists and turns. So overall, I think this is a great film. And I also think that if you're sitting on the fence about it, or even if you felt like you enjoyed it, go see it a second time, because I don't think this film can be properly digested in one go. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I want to toss it over to the mouth of the South, Brylin. Uh Yeah, so up until now, I've seen all of Ryan Johnson's films, and they've all been great to me. And I would say, even though this is probably his weakest film, it's still a great movie. So the guy has a great, I mean, continues to be able to uh, entertain people, and he's done it on a much, much larger scale this time. Uh, so it's a fantastic Star Wars movie. I'm not quite sure where it falls in the the order of what which ones are good or not, but um, it's definitely something I feel like I need to see again in order to get everything that happened in the movie. And it was also great to see Luke's uh, green lightsaber, which is far superior to Anakin's crappy blue lightsaber. So amen to that. Sure. I really wish that we actually. I hope we get to see it again because it looked badass. It looks kind of long, but it still looked pretty badass. Uh, Abbott. (laughs) 
Uh, I really enjoyed the the movie uh, more than I thought I would. I thought I was just gonna be like, oh hey, like my my reaction to the last couple, like they were enjoyable, but they were just like, oh hey, it's another Star Wars film. Um, this one, like I said, there's a lot of stuff in there. I want to go back and see it again because I've only seen it the once. Um, but it just makes me more excited going forward. Like, how are they going to resolve this trilogy? Uh, who who else is going to be introduced? Who's going to die? You know, uh, are they going to shave Chewbacca? Things like that. So I'm just really excited for the rest of the Star Wars uh, to just kind of uh, eject itself all over our eyeballs. Ejaculate itself or eject? I said eject. No, eject. It's a little different. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it was a setup Sorry. and you all fell for it. Uh, but yeah, it's I, was tra- very, I was very aroused by this film. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Dylan, the person everybody hates. <laughs> As always. Um, I mean, I can definitely align with a lot of you guys. I, I, it's, it's a great movie. I'm also with Bryland on the fact that like, this is the worst, you know, movie that Ryan Johnson he's ever done. Um, but I also think you're looking at a guy that has been doing movies comparable to like Stuart Little and like made them really good, and then given the opportunity to work on something like Star Wars and made it his own and made it something really cool and, you know, special in his own way. I think that is incredible. And not a lot of people can go from doing a C-list movie and a movie that nobody's ever even going to see to something like Star Wars. Like, I mean, that's pretty incredible. I also think that I, I agree with Mocha where it's just like, you know, if you don't like this movie, you really, you really need to look back at the rest of the movies and kind of remember why you like those movies. And it, it, it really does make a difference. Like, you know, if you're, if you're 50, 60 years old watching this film, it's not going to make you feel the same way that a new hope did when you were 10 years old. Like, you're not going to feel like that, you know? I can't tell you anything right now that I love right now that I didn't love more when I was 13, you know? Like, everything was cooler when you're a teenager. Like, yeah, like, I jerked off 20 times a day when I was 13, but I only do it, like, three or four times a day now. It's, like, it's not as cool, like, it feels good, but it's not as cool. You really it's matured, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I'm going to toss I'll, it off. I'll drink to that. <laughs> uh, sip to that. Uh, blow it. <clears throat> yeah, I think that at its core, um, the highs uh, from this movie were absolutely incredible. Um, the lows were on par with Phantom Menace. You know, it really ran, there was, there was, there wasn't a ton that I was just like mediocre on. It was either I was like so unbelievably stoked or just so unbelievably disappointed. Um, I think overall though, the stoked overpowered the, uh, you know, much like Ray's character being tempted by the dark side, the stokeness, uh, won out over the, uh, not so good. Yeah, so I would say uh, lasting thoughts for mine is this movie, like we had said it before, definitely takes about a couple of viewers. I'm probably going to watch it again sometime next week. 
Um, so that'll be my third time. But I loved it. I love a lot of this movie. I loved all, just about every part of this movie, even after I saw it for the second time. Uh, it's you know, it's still going to go down. As, I think right now between this and Rogue One is going to be like my favorite Star Wars film so far. Um, I don't agree with the whole Ryan Johnson being a director and stuff like that. I, I really don't agree with a lot of the trash that you guys have been said, but that's your opinions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do I do agree with some of the things, but I I definitely like this movie more than I like Looper, and so that's all, like arguably like a thing that this is better than another piece of Ryan Johnson's work. And with that, we are the Down the Front Podcast, the official podcast of downthefrontpodcast.com. Thank you so much for everybody being on here. I'm super excited for everybody just kind of hanging out. Drinking with us. It's four in the morning right now, so I appreciate you kind of staying up so late. Uh, I'm going to toss it to Abbott and says, Abbott, where can we find more of your work? And what you what 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 you doing? Oh, I am uh, currently working on the album artwork for a band called My Anus. Actually, um, while you guys have been making these beautiful points, you'll be seeing that very soon. Um, you can also find me all over the internet because uh, I sell nudes. Um, and yeah, so if you Google my name, that's none of them are fine. Do explain. <laughs> exactly, none of them are mine. Shavedwookies.com, you'll find uh, the Abbott <laughs> Man. It's the name of the evening. Thanks so much for having me for your boners uh, for everyone. And with that beautiful segue, I'm going to toss it over to Mike the Shredder Blue. Where can we find more? Yeah, so we're uh, we're currently working on an album based on the drawings of Andrew Abbott. It's kind of like precious, but not really. It's more fart jokes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what was I going to say? Things. Uh, check us out. We're playing in uh, January. Uh, first week, somewhere in that. Not the first, because we're not cool. Uh, yeah. Also, if you want to see my streaming channel, uh, you can check us out at twitch.com slash Jesse Shaves His Wookie. Um, <laughs> Jesse Rand? <laughs> Is yeah. there another Jesse? The, the one and only Jesse. Yeah, you Jesse, get Jesse's email in every episode. Jesse, Jesse Kovacs. <laughs> Wrong Jess. I'm not going to go there. Although, I, I, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, so, Brylan, where can you find more of your work? Uh, you can find me eating fried chicken in front of live chickens on Twitter <laughs> at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. <laughs> yes! Um, I'll also, uh, I have an Instagram, it's I am Brylan, I'll post random photos and memes and sometimes many movie and TV reviews, uh, when I get around to it. I'm also the host of the Gamescast, twitch.tv slash downfrontpodcast. Been on a little bit of a hiatus during this holiday season, but I'm uh, redoing uh, probably the, the, I'm redoing the structure and the scheduling of it. So once I get the first week schedule of it ready, I, we will be back. Hell yeah. It's always great to see your face. Uh, Dylan, the Cochran, where can we find more of your work? Um, I mean... I usually see appointments between about like 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, Cambridge Side Galleria. Um, 
if you got a broken iPhone or, you know, maybe your 2011 MacBook Pro is having some video card issues, I could really fucking kick the shit out of that. <laughs> also, if you need a guitar player or a bass player, I know a guy or two, and it ain't Warren. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the vocalist, I'm sorry. I do, I do the vocals. Well, thank you for letting us know where you can find more years. <laughs> Was I supposed to have a sign-off? Like, no. And you stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> uh, uh, Mocha Mike, where can we find more of your work? Yes, you can find me on Twitter, Bare Knuckle Boxing Neckbeards, at Mocha Mike, L I. Ask the Let's say. Unfortunately, I'm not listed at Mocha Mike. Um, because the man who has that username was frozen in Carbonite before you could uh, deactivate his account. And now it's just gone forever. So until then, it's Mocha Mike, L-I. You can also find me on Instagram, at Mocha Mike. That's where I post my photography work. I'd love to get some feedback there. As well as check me out on Medium, medium.com slash at Mocha Mike, where I post some long-form reviews of the movies we talk about here. And I am Warren. Uh, you can find all of our work here, downinfrontpodcast.com. We have Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, Reddit, email, Instagram, literally everything that we can think of. Uh, please love us. Please subscribe us. Please read us on iTunes. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out, just kind of listening with us. We were really excited to record this as quickly as possible, especially out of the holidays as well. Uh, my birthday is coming up, so happy birthday to me. Boom. I gave you there. And we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you, Abbott. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, and we will say so long, farewell, obviously, get drunk. With you. Go meet. That's one thing I didn't like about that movie. They actually said that may of course be with you too many times. Yeah. yeah. That one at the end where it's, it's like all the Star Wars movies they made fun of saying may the force be with you. Yeah, it was a bit of a joke on it. I was like, wow, you guys just kind of shit on that.